You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach, and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast. And I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Hey, coaches, and welcome to episode 61 of Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. You are listening to Chrissy Beltran. I am your host, and I am really looking forward to my topic today. This year has been a lot of bad words that I will not use on this podcast. (laughs) I will use them on other occasions, but not on this podcast because this is recorded and there is evidence. (laughs) So schools have undergone massive change throughout this whole school year uh, and also last school year. And chances are next school year is going to look somehow different as well. Even if let's say by, you know, some amazing miracle, we are all in person and everybody is showing up at school regularly. It's still going to be different, right? Because we've just gone through a year and a half of, of change and it's been really hard on teachers and really hard on school support staff members and, and administrators and everybody really who serves kids. So I really wanted to talk about this idea of how to support a school that is navigating through all of this change. And so today we're going to talk to Karen and Christy of The Modern Principal, and they are two principals who are going to help us think about some of the things that we can do as, as, as leaders and instructional coaches and any school support person. Um, to really support our teachers in getting through these really difficult challenges. COVID is one of these challenges that we've worked through, but every year schools face different challenges all the time. So we want to think about how we can take what we've learned from this experience and really turn it into some positive tools that we can use to support teachers in the long run with all the changes that we know they're going to have to undergo every single year. So I'm really excited to introduce my guests for today. This is Karen and Christy of The Modern Principle. So welcome, Karen and Christy, from The Modern Principal to the thank podcast. You. Hi. Hi. Thank you. Um, can you, we just get kind of started with you introducing yourself to our listeners, and you can talk about who you are and how you ended up doing the work that you're doing and what kind of work you're focusing on right now. So I started teaching in the Kansas City School District, and then I stayed in elementary, um, moved to a district right outside. Um, and then I started exploring my leadership journey, um, got my specialist and became an instructional coach. And, and then I was an admin intern, which is like this really awesome middle ground where you're paid like a teacher, but you're treated like an administrator. Ooh, fun. So that is where I met Christy. That's yep. when our paths, paths met for two years. And then we parted again. And I have been a head principal at a different district now for, this is my seventh year at elementary. Yeah. And this is Christy. I um, started as a sociology major in college, learned about all the world's ills and thought that, you know, at 19 years old, I was going to solve them and decided to become a teacher. I joined Teach for America after graduating with my undergrad and um, taught middle school ELA, um, then moved to the elementary side of things where um, I did elementary instructional coaching. And then I also did the admin intern position and some reading specialist in between and assistant principal at middle school. And now I have been, I'm in my fourth year as a head principal um, and I'm in my 13th year of education. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I love that you both, you have that experience of coaching. And I think that's a really valuable role to have served before you become administrator. Um, there are so many administrators who kind of don't know how to do the jobs under them or what those jobs really look like. And I think that it's so helpful when you have that perspective 
on what everybody in your school should be doing, <laughs> you know, really clearly defined roles. It's actually one of our biggest pieces we feel like of advice that we give to teachers who are looking to go into leadership is we always recommend if there is an opportunity for instructional coaching, we recommend that people yeah. do that. Yeah, it completely um, changed my lens on how I would lead. It gave me a lot more confidence. Um, I had only taught upper elementary um, and Christy had only taught middle school prior to, and mm -hmm. it gave us the opportunity to do some of that kindergarten, first grade, which those teachers can be hard to win over if you've never done kindergarten instruction. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it, it gave us that opportunity to kind of grow our instructional expertise as well as learn the vision outside of just your own classroom. Yes. That's a very good point. Um, I taught upper elementary and then I became a coach for K-5 and yeah, they just don't believe that you know anything. Uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> They're immediately like and you don't know. So. It is a very so. It's very different, of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. It's good to be humbled teaching a group of 25 year olds. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's yes. <laughs> So we have been, you know, in the introduction, I kind of mentioned that this past year, the schools have gone through tremendous amounts of change and schools are always going through change, um, but some years are worse than others. <laughs> this one I think, is, yeah, it's fair to say this is one of the worst. Um, so schools going through change can be really difficult places to be for everybody on campus. And so can you talk a little bit about some of the changes that you've navigated your schools through over your years as, as uh, school leaders? Yeah, and we kind of talked about this a little bit and tried to stay out, stay out of COVID because obviously mm -hmm. COVID brought a lot of changes for everyone. Right. Um, and what comes most to mind for me is um, like our phonics journey. We are definitely a workshop school, workshop district, um, and just realized that our kids were starting to plateau at a point. Mm -hmm. And so we actually changed all of our instruction, like our spelling and our um, reading direct instruction. Obviously, we still had the workshop piece, but we really went a phonics route and really started to study the science of reading. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, before I started in my building, our spelling was all like that traditional learn your words on. Monday or you get, you know, you okay. take your pre-test, you learn your words at home during the week, you take your post-test on Friday. Mm -hmm. And we kind of said, nope, we are moving into a tradition like, or a word study format where we're truly learning about syllables. We're learning about phonics and the sounds that, um, the sounds and the rules. Um, and so that was probably one of the biggest changes that we've gone through instructionally, um, in my building. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, the pandemic took us to a new level of what change felt like. Yes. <laughs> I hope we don't come back here again um, because we're all kind of recreating. Although, you know, as I think about it, I hope some of the things that we've had to change um, can stick around. There's some good things. Yes, there is sure. a lot of really good things that have emerged. We've actually like taken a lot off, off the table and off of teachers' plates that I hope we keep off. Mm, and, that's, and that's been, yeah, that's been good reflection. I think one thing, like I reflected on a change for sure in my building, but one change that I didn't fully, like everybody always says your first year as a principal, don't make major changes except for safety, right? So anything that has to do with safety, make that change. Um, but anything else that's like long-term, try not to make those. But I think that's harder, harder to do because just coming in as a new person, it's change. And I yeah. don't think I took the time to really recognize just my presence alone would have been such a major change to so much of my mm -hmm. teachers. Um, and so we've been in my building, we've been really taking a pretty long, long way to get to a trauma informed journey with the work, with our behavior with students um, mm -hmm. and really focusing on the social emotional piece. And that has taken a very long time to get there. Um, and that's been, that's been, I wouldn't say it's a difficult change. It's just been one that, um, 
I've made hiccups along the way. I've gone too fast in some areas. I've not been clear in others. And then looking back now, the last two years, I think the work we've done the last two years have the strongest. And it's because I got a, a team of teachers involved mm-hmm. um, to kind of facilitate that change a little bit more naturally than just one person kind of bringing the change, so to speak. That's a really good point. Um, <clears throat> directives that that do come from the top, they tend to, or from any point really, <laughs> if, they, if they're moving in one direction, um, yeah, they do tend to um, fizzle out because there's we don't have the buy-in and you don't have the, people don't even really understand it sometimes, like the, what the need for that is, even if the right. need is very clear to somebody moving into that situation. Right, mm-hmm. right. And I think um, sometimes it just depends on where teachers have taught, like the, just the makeup of your building. Yes. Um, if teachers have been in a lot of different areas, change might be a little bit easier for them because mm-hmm. they've just naturally changed their own career um, and changed their own circumstances. But if teachers have kind of been yes. teaching the same grade in the same in the classroom. Same room. Oh yes. my goodness. <laughs> yes. With the same principal prior to you before you got there, then change mm-hmm. is going to feel really weird. Yeah. You know, yeah, like it was working. Why are we changing this? Right. That's, exactly. that's the sentiment. And absolutely. Exactly. I, I know I worked for an administrator as a new coach who actually moved people like changed classrooms just so they would go through their stuff. Like yes. she arranged where people were in the building just because there had been things on the walls that were there from maybe when I was in school. So oh. it was, she was like, you know what? We need, we need some, let's freshen up a little, like let's evaluate. Okay. What yep. do we it's want? Well, <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. And it did have that effect in many rooms that people did a little home editing, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it was, it was like devastating to some people. This is the room I've been in for 20 years. And like, are you not, I would get miserable. I would be after a certain point. I'm like, I need something different, you know? Yes. Yeah. I think that was also hard for both of us because we both naturally don't mind change. No, we, I hadn't been in the same position for before this role for 10 years. I'd either been in a different building, different district, different role for every year for 10 years. It was really nice to unpack, like, and be like, I'm going to be here for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the longest I've been in one building in the same role for seven years. And that's mm-hmm. the longest by far. I'm yeah. usually like every three to four years. I know years. I'm only in my fourth year and it's the longest I've been in anywhere. Yeah. Wow. So you know, I think that is something that we have to like get to know our staff that are more hesitant to change because that's right. maybe not a personality. Yeah, yeah. That's a very good point. Some people are just more, more okay with it. I know someone who has moved like 20 times in her adult life oh and I gosh. have not moved at all. Like, I'm like I, why would I want to pack up all this stuff? Like that'd yeah. be terrible. So, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, that's true. Some people that just have kind of, maybe it's suited to personalities and that's part of what you have to overcome. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things you're actually talking about is why is, why it's hard to create change across the campus. Um, and, but what, do you have any other thoughts on that? You know, why does it seem like such a long process? Like you talked about, um, trauma informed teaching and, and yeah, something like that, especially is a huge change because it, it affects every single thing that we say and do and the way we perceive our work. And so why is it that it takes so long to make those changes and, and why does it feel so difficult sometimes? We, we think it boils down because people and organizations are just really complex. Um, and we talked to you that there's a difference in starting an initiative and just requiring people to change something in their classroom versus um, changing, having a true philosophical change in adults and going from this is what I do in my room to this is who I am as a teacher or this is who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and that takes a really long time. Yeah. And sometimes when you're in it, you don't necessarily see the need for it. 
And mm -hmm. so as a leader, we can see the need for it. I knew that we had to adjust um, the way we were interacting with students. And it was just because the student body at this particular building that I took over was beginning to bring more challenges to school and staff mm -hmm. had been there for a long time. And just the previous student bodies really, I don't know, it just yep. felt like kids and the traumas they're bringing into school are becoming more and more complex. And so mm -hmm. I knew it was something we had to do, but I also knew that from their viewpoint, it didn't, it didn't really, they couldn't see the whole big picture part of it. And it wasn't their job to, that was my mm -hmm. job. And so it is, it's, it's really easy to get teachers to just do what you're asking them to do when they trust you and they believe in you, but it's much harder and it's much slower to get teachers to see that like, oh, I, I want to do this mm -hmm. differently because it works, because it's, yes. it's more impactful than what I was doing. Um, and I, I think there's some degree of like feeling like when change comes that what I was doing before was worse or bad. And so you really have right. to fight against that with teachers and make sure that, that everyone is on the same page of like, no, what you're doing is great. It's, we're just going to try to get a little larger of an impact. And so that's a hard, like I wasn't, what I was doing was not bad. Right. Like there's just that right. like self-conscious. Yes. That's too. a good point. I think about even my husband's parents, whenever we told them that we weren't um, having our one-year-old watch cartoons. <laughs> they were like, well, you used to watch cartoons. And he said, yeah, but we know things now. And so we're, you know, this is, we, we have new information. And they were like, all oh, as if we were implying that because we're doing something different, that that was like a horrible thing that they had done to him. And like, we're not, not commenting on your parenting at all today. That's not the point of this conversation, yeah. but that's true. It does feel like um, well, you must be, if, if I have to learn all this new stuff and everything, I guess I'm, and, and I've actually heard that from people. Well, we were told that everything we were doing is wrong. And I know that was not what was actually said, but that is yeah. what was received. So right. yeah, that's stressful. When you know better, you do better. Right. Yes. Hopefully. You say I didn't know better before? Yes. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. So true. So this is an idea that I've, I've thought about a lot and just based on my own experiences as a teacher and as a you know, school leader, how important is clarity when it comes to change and what does that look like? <laughs> well, we, we both thought we were really good communicators before we became principals. Um, and then we learned that we're not. <laughs> <laughs> thought I was really, really clear. Yes. I mean, I used to be able to tell one thing to my kids and they all got it. And right. then I, you know, like you just, it's just whatever you say is going to be heard however many people in the room differently. Mm -hmm. So it's hard. It goes back to people being complex and everyone has different histories. Everyone um, has different experiences and knowledge that they're working from. And so, yeah, you just have to be cognizant of all that with your staff. Like we, we really believe that knowing your staff helps you to be clear, more clear. Mm -hmm. um, and um we feel like we've gotten to the point in our leadership, um, and I was not like this my first couple of years, but we have like our task forces and our teams. And so now we're doing everything collaboratively and through them. So now we have more eyes looking at every decision to make sure that it is pushed out more clearly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And other contact people too, besides just us. Um, I mean, I had leadership teams and, um, content teams when I started, but I figured out how to use them yes, better. It yes. took me a long time. Yeah, they existed, but I sure. think, I think, mm -hmm. yeah, just growing in your own wisdom and your own maturity as a leader helps you to use those teams better. So mm -hmm. not everyone, every time there's a decision, not everyone's looking at me. They're now looking right. at each other, which feels a lot better. 
there was also some advice that someone gave me before I started. And it was just, just as simple as saying like, you only get one chance to get your message right. And so you have to be really cautious that you're the first one to present it. And so I think a lot of times in leadership, we want that shared leadership ideal. So we start sprinkling little things with different pockets of people. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden everybody's heard it and they've heard it seven different ways than what you intended it to be Mm -hmm. heard. And so you're already, yeah, you're already starting on um, negative four on this, on the opportunity (laughs) to get it done. And so I think it's just really knowing when something's going to be hard I think you have to strategically plan how you're going to roll it out and to who and to when, um, and not let that happen by accident by any Mm -hmm. means. Yeah, I agree. I think I've seen a lot of school initiatives that have been, like you're saying, represented in a hundred different ways, um, from, you know, only maybe 75 different people. (laughs) And and you just, you're like, sometimes you're like, where are you, where did that come from? But, but we manage, it's, I think a lot of it is fear. A lot of it is, is stress level and we're just not receiving the message sometimes. And so it has to be doubly clear. And then we have to be consistent with what we tell people. And I've seen this happen a lot where people would go to an administrator and say, you know what, I have a problem with this. And they'd say, well, you do what you need to do, do what you need to do. And everyone's being held accountable supposedly for this change or this expectation, except for these people who went and complained. So then clearly it wasn't important enough to be consistent with it. Yeah, that's hard. And um, like the nuances of wanting teachers to have their own voice and how it looks in their classroom Mm -hmm. versus not allowing the end product to happen is really tricky. Still having fidelity to the initial vision. Yeah, Yeah, it's tricky because you, I've never wanted to be a principal and I doubt, I don't think Christy has either that like, I know exactly lockstep what's going on in your classroom, lockstep with who's across the hall. Like that is not good teaching, but it's also really hard when you're trying to give that teacher voice and empowerment, Mm -hmm. but also not lose the end result. Mm Because it's our job as administrators is to make sure that we are providing a really quality and consistent education, you know, for Mm -hmm. all grade levels in our building that we can, you know, assure that we have similar experiences, even if they're not the exact same, but equitable experiences across all of our grade levels. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's, it's hard about, it's a hard balance of the autonomy and the freedom versus also the fidelity. It really is. And whenever there has been no alignment at all on a campus, any kind of push for alignment or any kind of push for agreement feels like you're taking away all the freedom. Yep. So that is, that is really hard. And vertical alignment is also so important because you have a class of, you know, 22 kids and then maybe a quarter of them came from one classroom and, you know, three quarters of them came from classrooms that were doing something like this. And one quarter came from the free bird, you know, the yeah. <laughs> teacher who was doing her own thing and, um, and fought against all the initiatives and they don't have that background. And that is that just make it hard as time goes on, you can create a lot of instructional gaps that way. Right. Um, but you also don't want to be so rigid that everybody has to be saying the same thing at the same time and, you know, losing the guidebook from the lesson plan. And then they have to, yep. follow, you know, for the textbook and they have to follow along on the same day. And yeah, you don't want that either. So it is, it is a hard, hard line to walk for sure. Mm-hmm. So what I'm, this is probably what I'm most excited about. What are some of your best strategies for supporting teachers when they're struggling with change? I, we both think that just like listening, like truly listening to staff, one of our tenets of leadership is just to know staff professionally and to know them personally as well. And you obviously have to have those lines of communication open. When we were doing our phonics, um, 
kind of initiative, I don't want to call it an initiative, but kind of changing to make sure that we are teaching the science of reading um, in addition to the, the workshop model. Um, we did um, a new intervention. It was a phonics intervention. Me, my reading specialist and I had chosen it on purpose so that it was easy to implement. Um, it didn't necessarily take a whole lot of planning on the teacher's part. Like we felt like it was a slam dunk. We were giving them something easy. Mm -hmm. And I still had some of my best teachers like, this is so hard. I, it's not, I, I don't have, I can't do it. I don't have time. It's just not working. Mm -hmm. And I think it would have been really easy for me to assume that that was like a lack of, of will um, and that they just didn't want to do it because it mm -hmm. was a change, but through true listening and true collaboration, realizing that not teachers aren't trained in how to teach reading a lot of times in their undergrad programs, depending on what they are. So we had some people, especially when you go up to upper elementary and, um, you know, they haven't been doing explicit phonics instruction. They, they weren't hundred percent sure how to teach phonics in an intervention setting. And so we had to go back and it wasn't necessarily a lack of will. It was that lack of skill. Yeah. Um, and, but that takes both sides to be vulnerable and both sides to be <laughs> listening to each mm -hmm. other um, and willing to talk about it because that's, it's not fun to share that you don't know something. Um, right. And as a, as a leader and as a principal, it's not fun to hear that something you decided is not working. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of times too, that like, I, I try to, along with all of that, I try to be very cognizant of like, it's not the thing yeah. that I'm, that I care about. I'm not dying on the thing hill. I don't care. Like whatever phonics instruction it was, whatever, but mm -hmm. I am going to be insistent that we are either having a, a viable curriculum K2 of phonics, like what Christy's talking about, or that we're responding to behavior in a way that decreases behaviors mm -hmm. happening. And so when teachers are coming you know, struggling with behavior is really hard to coach teachers on because it's really personal. Personal, yeah. It is. It's very emotional. And so one thing that was really important is that we just had to slow down um, and know that there's still going to be a lot of behaviors while we're working through this, mm -hmm. but also to kind of keep talking to teachers and always go back to, okay, so what's your thought? Show me what you want to try and kind of putting it back of like, okay, this is my approach. I think it will decrease this happening with the behavior the next time. Can I show you that? Mm -hmm. Okay, watch, look how it decreased. Okay, let's try your way. Let me coach you, let me learn from you too. Show me how it decreases. And it's just, it's all about like going back to like, what impact is it actually having on the kids? Like, mm -hmm. is it actually getting the result we want? Mm -hmm. and, if, and if it isn't, that's okay. That doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. It just means this student or this learning or whatever is just presenting different challenges that another set of eyes can help on. So. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, I think it is. It's about, I mean, like a culture of learning and trying things and respond, reflecting and responding. And, and, and I think, I mean, that takes a lot of time to develop, um, especially yeah. when you're new to a campus yes. and they don't trust you or when you've been there for a while and they don't trust you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Trust is really key. Mm -hmm. and and long, I think longevity and leadership is key. Um, if, if mm -hmm. to have a building and to have leaders turn over every one, two, three yes. years, it's going to be very, very difficult to get any, off the yeah, anything off the ground and to do mm -hmm. it properly and to make it a true, you know, a transform, a transformative change. You know, but while you're speaking about trust, I think that like, that is the big piece that administrators have to be cognizant of. Um, we talk a lot about like assuming intentions and we want teachers to know that we are coming with the intention of coaching in that moment when they're bringing us that feedback. Like we're not coming from the intention of evaluating. Mm -hmm. That is a really important shift that admin need to make that like, 
if you really want teachers to tell you what is working and not working, which you do, I mean, it's much better problem than teachers just lying to your face and saying they're <laughs> implementing something and then they're right. really not. Right. And so um, if you really want to create that culture, you have to make sure that they know that they're not going to get dinged on their eval for speaking up mm -hmm. or when they're struggling to implement it, you're going to give them some grace and not maybe do a walkthrough right. when they're working on their phonics program that you just gave them two months mm -hmm. ago. Like maybe mm -hmm. you'll focus on math that year in your walkthroughs yeah. or something right. like that. And it's the same towards teachers. I think we have to assume from admin's perspective, we have to assume that like they're stressed and when teachers get, when anyone gets stressed, they go back to what is routine and what's comfortable. And so just giving them that grace to know that like they're not willfully, like Christy said, trying to defy you. They're just going back to what's comfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're moving back to like a safer place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What felt like it was working and you felt like you were good at it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Which is, which is very human. I mean, that's what we do. Right. Um, we try something. It's scary. We don't ever try that again <laughs> if we don't have to. Yeah. And I think there's a real difference. What you're talking about, like the longevity um, uh, issue, I think is huge. We do see a lot of like principals come in with their initiatives. They come in with an initiative, they get something started and teachers get maybe to compliance but not to actual, like, like you're saying, philosophical change. And if you're not changing people's philosophies, then you haven't created long-term change. And then that principal leaves, new person comes in, they got their own thing. They're, you know, initiating a new process. Teachers are like, fine, we'll do it. This is what we do. We just do it, get them off our back. And then they leave and somebody else comes in. So sometimes it's like, I'll just wait them out. I'll just wait them out and they'll be gone <laughs> soon anyway. Ah, yeah, for sure. So how can instructional coaches and administrators work together to support change on the campus? Because if you have a strong leadership team, you are better able to create, you know, support for change. But what would that look like? You've had a lot of instructional coaches, Karen. I have. Christy doesn't have a full-time one, but I am okay. fortunate enough to have a full-time one at my building. And it's been amazing. Um, I... I have, I think establishing the roles when we were both instructional coaches, that was really important. Mm -hmm. um, my year as an instructional coach, the head principal was retiring that year. And so he was very clear of like, I know you want to be an administrator someday. Why don't you take some things? Yeah. Admin. Mm -hmm. And so that um, made Blur, it blurs those lines. It blurs it those lines. Yeah. Yes. And so we think that's really important. Um, and, and that, I think you just have to know the strengths of your coach as an admin to know how to play into those strengths. I had my coach the last previous two years and um, she's now a principal. She was really good at like, if I just started talking about what I wanted to do, she felt very comfortable poking holes in my plan mm -hmm. to my face and just being like, have you thought about this? That's not going to work. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. You're crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, my current coach, I just hired, she was a classroom teacher of mine. Um, and I moved her into that role this year. And so I think she's feeling her feet up on like, okay, you used to be my principal. You're still my principal, but now like I'm in a different role with you. And so she doesn't, I don't think yet feel as comfortable being like, you're insane. That's a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. But I know that she has really great opinions. That's why I hired her, of course. So I kind of give her space to share her thoughts first. Mm -hmm. Before I share mine, that way I can check what I was thinking compared to what she is. Um, rather than if I, if I just share mine, I know she'll just say like, okay, well, yeah, that sounds good. Mm -hmm. So until we establish that push and pull, um, right. it's better. Yeah. You just have to kind of know your people and what they're comfortable and their strengths. That's yeah. really true. I would say 
Yeah. Just using each other's strengths. Um, my coach is like a whiz at curriculum and, um, it's kind of hard because she's also, she's like a district employee and also a building employee, but also shared between several buildings. So her workload is pretty heavy. And so I just try to focus on, okay, what are her strengths that, that she has that I absolutely don't because I need to really, she's so busy and she's so pulled in so many directions. I need to just focus on what she can do that I can't. Mm -hmm. Um, and for me, that's knowing seven different curriculums and all of the different content areas. She knows that much better than I do. Um, and so I try to try to use that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, figuring out what your people are good at and leveraging that to provide support to the teachers who need that support, because I mean, that's what they're there for. That's great. Um, that kind of, Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, it's been really important to me as a head principal. I don't have an assistant and neither does Christine. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it would be very easy for us to slide our coach into that yes. role. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. But happened. then we, can we both might be focusing on things that aren't that instructional coaching role, because as much as we would love to do that full time, also, there is just no way mm-hmm. that we can. And so mm-hmm. I've been really intentional with my coach in my current role of keeping that very focused on classroom support. You're not doing behaviors. You're not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I want her in the rooms as much as possible. So it's not even a question of like, are you going to be, I don't want spreadsheets. I don't want, you know, I want you in the room doing that work. And so it's just really important when I, when I hire someone to make that very clear that that is the expectation of like, I don't, I don't need someone to go through data. I mean, that'd be great because it takes me a long time, but <laughs> what I really want is someone to be in the room when teachers are trying to implement and another mm-hmm. set of eyes on, are we getting enough feedback? Are our kids engaged enough? That kind of stuff that we just can't be there every day for. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's great. And that's, and that, I mean, that's really what their role is. Having those clearly defined roles is so important because even, I mean, I was a coach at a school that had two coaches and an AP and a principal. And still I ended up doing a lot of things that were not coaching things. Right. And that's just wow. the nature of the beast. I mean, they're just a million, this state we I live in is a horrible place. <laughs> I live in Texas and, uh, you know, we, I mean, the, the expectations are crazy high. I mean, it's yeah. like constant, like con- the, just the paperwork alone is massive. And, um, so, you know, those, those responsibilities tend to get shared by anybody who's not in a classroom, you know? So, so yeah, sometimes juggling them, it can pull from that classroom support time. And that's really should be the intention of our our role, you know? So sometimes this is one of the challenges that you really struggle with as a coach is that coaches find themselves in the middle of administration and teachers. And so there's an, an initiative that's, you know, coming down the pike and it's something that the coach inherently just can see is not a good idea or they really disagree with it. And even if you try not to put that out there, sometimes teachers just figure you out. (laughs) They know you, you know? So what advice do you have for coaches who find themselves in that position? And what are some things that we should avoid uh, doing whenever we are like in disagreement with an initiative? That was my favorite part of being an instructional coach because I felt like I had the trust of my administration. Mm -hmm. I had the trust of the teachers. So I had, and, and they were both really transparent. And so I got to like, I felt like I was the one who had all the information in the school, like the actual, I heard all the honest conversations. Mm -hmm. And so I think if principals could realize that and not see it as a threat, but see it as, um, something, a strength and something that could help. Um, I think we would all be a lot better off because Mm -hmm. if you can really get those, that honest feedback from the the teachers and that coach can put it in a way that the administrator can hear and use, 
That's, I, I think people underestimate, I think a lot of principals underestimate how much teachers are willing to share with coaches because it's just mm -hmm. a much different role when you're in, when it's not evaluative. Um, and so using that information and, and hoping, make, hopefully making decisions from there because mm -hmm. they'll share things that they won't share with you as a principal. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, and I think it depends on the relationship that the coach has with the principal. I think that we both would try to set up a pretty open with I, ours yeah we're pretty open yeah so that we feel like they could tell us um like I know my coach now I'll, we'll talk PD and she'll be like we're gonna need to cut three hours off that teachers just need some time <laughs> like you're, you're doing too much mm -hmm. slow your roll which is great like I won't I don't know how teachers are feeling if they don't want to tell me like come to right. break but I think if you were in a situation I think ultimately there's ways to get people to think it's their idea. And I think coaches have to figure out how to do that with the principals. If it, um, yeah. If you don't have a principal, because I feel like I, we both probably ask our people, like our coaches, okay, what do you think? Is that going to be too much? Are we going to like freak everybody out? Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> um, but if you have a principal who doesn't, I think that's the coach's job to like play navigate. That, yeah. Play and... that chess game and figure out how, um, because you also know if your teachers are going to break, if they're going right. to try it. And when teachers are stressed, it's not good for kids. We no. know it is not. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think there's ways to convince people that it's their idea to do something differently. And I think you have to figure out how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, I think that's really good advice. Um, the one thing that, that I think that we want to be careful of is sending that back in the teacher's direction and being like, yeah, this is the dumbest initiative. This is ridiculous. I do think you can be realistic and say, yeah, I do understand there are some challenges with this and maybe we can figure some things out. But um, sometimes, you know, in the heat of the moment, people find that they're, they're, share, they're yeah. maybe oversharing <laughs> in the direction of the teachers. That's um, a fine I line. Think, yeah. You don't, yeah. You don't want to see an us versus them and you have your coach taking right. sides, which admin and teachers and mm -hmm. and that should hopefully that's never the goal of your culture and climate you want everyone to be on the same team hopefully right you know and the, you know and the hard thing about that is the longer you've been in a certain role the harder I think it is to keep those I think everybody when mm -hmm. they start hopefully comes in with those intentions to always keep that professionalism wall up and right. never like initiatives in the foot so that they fail I think that we probably feel that even now from the district to the building level yes time like, yes we get initiatives put on us that we don't, we really have tried everything behind the scenes mm -hmm. and it didn't work. <laughs> and so now it's happening. Um, and we have to figure out how to also toe that line. And so mm -hmm. the longer you've been in a staff, the more, like I even have teachers now that are like, you don't really think this is a good idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They do know. You know, because mm -hmm. they know me and they know what I would do. Mm -hmm. And so just that, remember, principals in traditional public districts are very middle management. We are very oh, yes. middle management. Yeah. And that's, that, that's really been more of my experience with bad initiatives. Not so much that they came from the school level. Not, it was not local administrators. It was district administrators passing things off to schools. And so the principal's like, well, this is we don't really have choices within this, you know, and then whenever you share it with teachers, you know, you're sharing something that is not really a great idea. And it's sometimes not even possible, <laughs> you know, like literally it's impossible. Um, and so all you can say is, you know what, let's, let's sit down and figure out the best possible plan that we can to respond to this. What is right. the best that we can do? And that's all we can really do. And, but yeah, they, they can, they definitely sniff you out. <laughs> they can oh, they do. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. What are some of the strong support systems that you have that help you support change when it happens? 
So like, you know, we, we have these systems in place all the time, but which ones have been really useful to you whenever you have a, a like a school-wide change that you're going through something that you're like, Oh, I'm so glad we already had this in place. Both of us really rely on our committee or task force structure, basically, I mean, same mm -hmm. name for, a you know, or different name for same thing, but our committees, and then also our school improvement plans. We both have, um, I think, really clear duties of our committees and task force and what they focus on in terms of instruction or behavior or culture, or whatever they do. And then also our school improvement plans only focus on a limited number of goals. And so we try not to take on things that don't fit within those. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that all helps. I think um, we also try, like I read something before I came up principal It's actually about being a CEO and it just said um, frequent shared and repeated vision. So just constantly, constantly sharing um, it everywhere and at everything. So like every agenda has the part of the school improvement plan that these PD yep. things fall under so that mm -hmm. everything we do, it's very clear that this is why we're doing it. Every PLC has the goals that are connected to our, we call them our big rocks with our school improvement plan. So everything is always like feeding together. Everything goes, everything goes back to those goals. Mm -hmm. um, and they're goals that we can keep in front of us and we can walk through our building and we should be focusing on those as we walk through. For feedback and for coaching and all of that kind of stuff. Um, awesome. Yeah, the other thing is, is that like, we're both really driven people that are constantly really trying to like, Go, go fast, go, go fast, go fast. Yes. <laughs> Take this on, do that, do this, uh -huh. try this. What about that? And um, we have recognized that some people's cups fill up quicker than ours in what they want right. to hear, what they want to take on, what feels overwhelming. And so- mm -hmm. Including our husbands. Yeah, right. Yes, yeah, I get that. <laughs> <laughs> not everyone's pace is our pace. Not everyone's pace is our pace. And so mm -hmm. like- there's something to be said about like, we're there putting in the work, we're in the trenches with you, but there's also something to be said about like, not everyone has to live in the trenches as long as you do. Like sometimes yes. people just need to take a break and, mm -hmm. and so I, I try feel to like respect our, that. Our, I feel like our younger teachers too are really good, like much better about self-care, like true self-care um, and about like putting up boundaries. Like I'm proud of them. That's good. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Yeah. That's, that's a big, um, we actually talked about that a lot on this podcast earlier in the season, because that is something that like, I never learned how to do as a teacher. Ooh. I never did. I mean, I, I didn't go to the doctor forever and I didn't get a haircut or anything. <laughs> I, I took my five week old to 5.30 a.m. dance practice. <laughs> not okay. As not a coach. Okay. Not okay. Yeah. Yeah. We got to learn how to draw the line. And that yes. was the line I should have drawn. Yes. That was, <laughs> that's, you crossed the line and you were like, oh, I crossed it. And now I know where it is. Now I can <laughs> it. It took me a few more years, but yes, now I do. <laughs> In retrospect, I can place the line now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we've all, I mean, I don't know about the five week old, we've all done some stuff, right? That we were like, why did I push myself to do that? Why? Uh -huh. It's been okay. Um, and that's kind of what this next question is about. Toxic positivity is another phrase that's, that's come up really frequently um, over the last couple of years. And whenever I first heard it, I was like, Oh, that's, that is a good name for what that is, you know, <laughs> because it makes yes. sense. So what I does that mean that. to you? <clears throat> not addressing reality. I mean, not, mm -hmm. not being yeah. real. I think there's a way to address reality, to address concerns, um, and still having hope, um, and still finding the positive without completely ignoring it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I don't want to, I hope this isn't bad to say, but it's almost like, like, 
Twitter in like 2005. Like Twitter felt oh, super yeah. that's, positive. That's why, we, that's why we actually started on Instagram because uh-huh. um, it was more like 2013, I think, that, you know, it was like huge to be on Twitter and like you're growing your PLN. And I was like reading the things that people were saying and I was like, I don't know if like my school and my experience is just this weird outlier and everybody else just knows something I don't and they're doing it better. (laughs) Um, Because I love my job and I love what I do, but it is not that easy. (laughs) Right. Yes. People are adamant on Twitter. Even now they are still like, this is all you need to know about this idea. What I just said, that's it. You know, (laughs) I feel like they're so confident. Yeah. I love that there is this little underground of Twitter that's trying to take down the toxic toxicity. (laughs) I don't know. I just feel like it's like trying to force people to believe that everything's fine. Like like sliding. Yeah. It's a little (laughs) gaslighty. Yeah. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. we're in a pandemic, you know, and like, Mm -hmm. I do not, I want my teachers to have to come and smile every day. Like they're, they're right. scared. It's okay. You mm-hmm. know, like, let's talk about it. Let's figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it also goes with like the expectations that we place on teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, Such a line, a fine line. It's, it, it, it can be a little unrealistic, um, not only to what they're getting paid to do, yeah. um, mm-hmm. but also to what they're humanly capable of doing. Right. Um, yeah. There's, I mean, there's just naturally so much stress that goes into caring for. 20. Oh, and it doesn't feel good when you know that you're like the the cause of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. It does not. That's true. Yeah, and sometimes I'm laughing, but I'm crying. It's not like funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and there's some days that you're just gonna have bad moods, and you don't mm-hmm. like. It doesn't mean you're not a good employee that wants to be a part of the positive culture. You just mm-hmm. want to be left alone today. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or for a year. I had a. I had a teacher that came to my building um, not too long ago, and she told me that they used to have to, like, it was required that they eat lunch with their team. They oh, couldn't wow. ever, like, take a lunch time off because that, w- that is what looked like teamwork. Uh-huh. You are always, you're together. And so I remember her asking one of her teachers, like, where, where do we all have to eat lunch? And they're like, wherever you want to eat lunch. And they're like, well, where's Karen going to be checking? And they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Like she doesn't even, on like, she lunch. Wants you to eat food so you don't pass out, but like, whatever, you know, so I'm going to make sure you ate all your carrots or what is she yeah. looking for during this? Yes. Check? <laughs> so I think it's sometimes like that vibe of like this perfect mm-hmm. thing at work. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. That's unreal. That's yeah. a whole other level right there. Um, I've, I've seen some, some, um, some fake team building stuff, but that's a big one. <laughs> No kidding. Uh-huh. I had a staff member ask if I gave bulletin board report cards, and I was like, "Girl, if I have time to do that, we have a really big problem." <laughs> <laughs> if I have time to, uh, yeah, we're good. We will never have time to do that. You know, that's and I actually do know someone who has been scolded for sharing teacher concerns with administrators, not the school administration, but. Um, you know, saying they, they were asked for feedback and they provided their feedback and said, I really think this is an issue and teachers are overwhelmed. And they were told they were not being a team player. And they were told that, you know, things like that, that are just really harmful because then you don't get the truth and you're not being real and no one trusts you. If you, if you yeah. keep putting this out there, nobody trusts you because you can't acknowledge what's right in front of you. And, right. um, and that's a real problem. People don't feel good around someone who's pretending everything's okay all the time. Agreed. Right. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point. Pretending everything's okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm very admitting. No, I feel like I've had some really. I actually, I feel like I pep talk this year to my staff, and it was like, 
guys, we're doing a great job. And then it just like turned into this. I'm sorry. This is really hard. like, <laughs> like I couldn't even keep it up. You're like, I can't even. Sorry. This was not inspirational. Just hang up the zoom now. You know what? Everything. Let's just, let's call it a day. Maybe tomorrow we'll feel better about what I just said. <laughs> That's so, uh, my sister-in-law. I was talking to my sister-in-law the other day and telling her I have a plan for 2021 for my coffee and coaching membership that I co-host with another coach. Uh -huh. And I said, uh, we talked about it and we were like, this is the plan. And I told her, I don't care what happens in 2021. I cannot change the plan. I, uh, this is not something I can mentally and physically do at that time. So this is what we are doing no matter what happens. Yeah. And my sister-in-law said, I picture you at your desk with your laptop and like a little cup of coffee and there are like flames outside your window. Yeah. And you're going, my plan is working. It's all working. <laughs> We're doing our plan. <laughs> Very fair. Yep. That's, that was 2020 that's in a year. nutshell. Yeah. That is here in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> so then this kind of leads me to the next question, which is about morale. And I know kind of like this toxic positivity idea, which I mean, people take to various degrees, but some teachers that I know have actually really struggled because they're like, if I get one more piece of chocolate taped to a happy note in my box, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> and sometimes it's like, well, this is what something we can do. And that's why we do it. Right. We're like, we can yeah. give you a little Hershey bar with a happy note. That's something I can, I cannot tell you to take days off. So I cannot right. do all these. I cannot give you a raise. I can't <laughs> cancel school for you. So I can give you a Hershey bar though. And so that's what we do. Right. But what are some things that, that we can really do to authentically build morale? We feel like the number one thing is to add a margarita machine to the lounge. <laughs> oh, good. See, now that's something we can actually do. It's practical. It's purposeful. Right. I like it. It's, it's illegal. <laughs> <laughs> For the record, I mean, we do not have that we in do either not. of our schools. No, no. Yes. <laughs> this, is, this is a really good, I love the way you worded that question because that is, that is really something that we go back to. Like. We, we are a part of a lot of principal groups and, um, it's, it's a lot of these <laughs> like on things. Facebook. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's great. Those are things that we should be doing because that also feels, you feel noticed yeah. and things like that with mm -hmm. this, you know, but I don't know to us, it goes all the way back to that culture. And that's a really like complicated process. And it's long. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you got to build, you have to, people have to know you care. You have to build relationships with them. You have to know what they need so you can try and give it to them. Some teachers need me to tell them, like, it sounds like you need to take a day off. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I had a boss tell me that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And some teachers need me to just notice them doing a really good job. Yep. Notice, notice when a kid didn't have a meltdown that usually does at two o'clock and celebrate mm -hmm. with them. Um, we in our building um, this year, we started some like Enneagram work and um, giving the common language to our different personality types and like the different motivations that we have has been really helpful mm -hmm. um, because some people thrive off of like public recognition. Right. Um, some people absolutely right. do not. Um, and just the way that we work, I think has helped all of us appreciate each other's quirks a little bit more. Um, and I think too, making sure that your celebrations are consistent and not sporadic. And so a lot of small, consistent celebrations and personal, like she said about like noticing what's really important to that one person and celebrating mm -hmm. it versus 
here's chocolate for all because it's Friday makes a big difference. You know, and sometimes it's as little as one time a teacher was telling me a story and they did not have my full attention. Mm -hmm. Um, and as I, like I was, it was right before the bell rang and I was trying to get this thing done before I went to my morning duty. And so I was like half looking and half listening. (laughs) And I think admin do that more (laughs) often than not. Um, but I recognized that and I went to that person later and said like, I'm so sorry. That was really rude. I should have stopped and looked. I really wanted to hear that story. Can I, can I hear a little bit more about it now? And so it <laughs> Would you like, tell it to me again? Cause I don't know what you said. <laughs> Wait, I like heard one bit of it, but not all of it. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. Just like noticing mm-hmm. that they are showing up and doing their best. Mm-hmm. I also have worked, we both have worked really hard to spread it without other throughout the building so that it's not all reliant on me. So we have like a culture crew in my building. We have months of teachers where everybody's assigned a month where they are just kind of in charge of morale, whatever sounds good to them. Teachers shoot me an email that says, Hey, can we wear sweatpants on Wednesdays and call it wellness Wednesday? (laughs) (laughs) So it's just like empowering different groups to support each other too, Mm -hmm. and to write each other notes. Like that's just little stuff that they can do to build the morale within themselves too. It doesn't all have to come from the principal. Yeah. I love that idea of having the committee. It has to start with the principal. It has to start start with the principal. The expectation that this is what we do here has to be there. Um, And then I like the idea of having the committee because teachers can have an idea of what would be helpful to teachers because they're in, they're right in there. They're doing that same work and they can say, what would really make me happy is wearing sweatpants. Yes. Right. Yeah. We we try to have like common language about like when you need a break and those kind of Mm -hmm. things. Like even saying like giving teachers permission to say that they need a break versus, Mm -hmm. you know, versus just like sending a kid out who's been really hard or something. Right. Like it's okay to be honest and just say that you need a few minutes Mm -hmm. (laughs) and us recognizing like, Hey, the other day, Miss so-and-so called a level one because she wanted to go take a walk outside because she hadn't been outside all day. And that was great. And so just empowering teachers to like, Oh, she doesn't care that we do that. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of stuff. Um, Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Common language is important in everything. And I don't feel like we talk about it enough. We talk about it with kids, but not with, with teachers and with educators. And we are all speaking different languages when it comes to that. And with, well, I mean, with education in general, really. And um, I just think it's such an important focus for a school. It's just really hard to ask for help. I think um, yeah. in education, I don't know why it just is. Cause you so- usually don't get it. I think. Yeah. <laughs> you, can ask, you can ask whatever you want. It's terrible, but true. Uh, so I think the administrator has to start there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and, and in showing if there is something I can do and you ask for that, then I, I will do that, you know, and, and really following through on that is important because it's kind of like the feedback situation when people tell you what they think about something and then you don't do anything about it and then <laughs> you never address it again. And you're like, well, thanks for letting me know. And then you don't do anything. Um, they just stop telling you. Yep. After a while. I think what you talked about with the Enneagram is really cute too. I actually have somebody coming on in two episodes down the road to talk about the Enneagram for instructional coaches. Cause I think it's such a fun oh. tool and I resonate so much with my number, everything I see posted about it. I'm like, what? I'm a one, I'm a one wing two. I'm a one. Yeah. <laughs> Don't say that. Like you're ashamed. This is amazing. <laughs> I feel like the one is kind of like a like a, like type A embarrassed secret. Like we're like, we're ones. It's cool. But like I'm a type us. two. The party. We're fun. <laughs> I'm a wing. Like I have a two wing. And so that means I'm really nice also. So it's yeah. okay that I'm a one. Right? <laughs> I was. 
And what are you? I'm (laughs) self-absorbed. She's a three. Ones and threes, I feel like, are so similar. I actually, reading the descriptions, I thought I was going to be a three. And then when I came out as a one, I was like, well, that also makes sense. But when you read the negative traits, that's where you're really like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's that's me. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's true. How sad is it that it's hard to resonate with what's good about us, but whatever's bad about us, we're like, oh, yeah, that's, you got it. You're right on that. (laughs) So if coaches only walk away with one idea from this episode, what do you think it should be? It's and you could one. each have one if you have a different one. That's fine. Well, we kind of we kind of boiled it down to okay. know your role, know your role, and and advocate to stay in your role because mm-hmm. at least when in our positions and when we've seen other coaches, it's really easy for administrators or central office or teachers um, to put instructional coaches into different roles that they did not necessarily sign up for that they're not in their job descriptions. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. That's, That's huge. Mm-hmm. And I think what's hard is when it's your administrator who's putting you in a different role and how you politely, tactfully, professionally advocate to yes. be in the role you signed up for. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes that takes like data and recording timeframes and showing, you know, best practice and, and providing research. And it, I mean, it can take a lot of work sometimes to share with an administrator who might not have a vision for what coaching could be in the first place. Exactly. Um, if they've never done it or never worked right. with one or mm-hmm. never worked with one in a quality relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think it's good for coaches to have a network outside of their building that are other coaches. So that mm-hmm. way, when it comes to how do I play this with my admin, how do I convince them yeah. that yeah. we need to take this step when they really think we need to take that step? Um, I have a principal in my district that I will call before I have a meeting because she will, I will spew my thinking and she will help me like, no, 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 do not leave with that. Let's back you up. Let's start with this. Okay. That part was good. Mm-hmm. And, um, so it's just good to have another person that's like, okay, I know your end results, but I know the people you're working with. Right. And let me help you get your end results with the people you're working with. So. Yeah. That's a good point. Community. Community is so important. Partnerships is so important. Um, yes. and it can be very, whenever your school is going through change, so is the coach. So, I mean, everybody yeah. on that school is going through that change. And so sometimes you're supporting people through a change that you are also struggling with. And so you have to have a buddy, um, to help you do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you so much for all of this. Thank where can you. people, yes. yeah, it's been great. Um, where can people find you online? Because they really do need to watch your reels. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> They're not good. They're not good. I, we've lost followers yeah. since we started We're doing actually, them. No. <laughs> oh no. Well, they don't know what they're missing out. That's on. not gonna they're, they're not fun people. No. Yeah, that's they're not Chrissy's people. like they will not stop us from doing what's right. And what's right <laughs> is those real. We have integrity. <laughs> I know um, my goals. I know my goals. <laughs> Educational equity and quality reels. Yeah. Those are our goals. <laughs> you can have both. <laughs> Um, you can follow us though at, uh, the modern principal on Instagram and also on Facebook. We do very little with Twitter. Uh, uh-huh. mostly it's, it's not a nice that Yeah. That's a toxic positivity. Yeah. We repeat yeah. a lot of stuff, but that's about it. Yep. <laughs> um, and is that it? Oh, we have a website, the modern oh, mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, 
Yeah. We would love to connect with anyone. We love instructional coaches. It was one of our favorite roles that we both did. Yes, it was. I think it's great. Yes. And I, yeah, coaching is an awesome role. Um, honestly, whenever I look at the job of principal, I'm like, no, thank you. But, <laughs> but <laughs> it just happened, right? Sometimes it just happens. Um, but, um, but yeah, I think that that's, that coaches can learn so much from, from looking at administrators and thinking about how to communicate with admin um, effectively because sometimes we're all speaking a different language. <laughs> yes. Yep. And exactly. have different priorities and different demands. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank I have enjoyed you. our conversation. I'm sure people got a lot out of it. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Um, okay, coaches. So next week, I actually have a guest. Um, we're going to do a coaching call with one of our wonderful instructional coaches, and they are going to share some of their challenges, and we're going to work through those challenges. So make sure you join me for that episode next week. And until then, happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching.